welcome to this here, the first episode of Let Me Pull On Your Coat, where I, your host, Peter Derilliers, um, just share some things I see, things I read, things I'm thinking about, um, and some music, perhaps. And so I've got a few things planned and lined up. We'll see where we go with this. Um, but it should be interesting. So thanks for being here and for the first episode. So what I'm intending to do here is have sort of things sit under five headings um, for every episode, really, where through my eyes is just something I see that I find interesting and um, that I've spotted. Something I call a pebble in your pond, just to cause some ripples on the water. Um, something to think about, a quote that I've been thinking about and pondering, um, something I'm reading, and I don't read as much nowadays as I used to, or at least not as fast, because I don't commute or anything, and I haven't done for a long time. So you may get several things in different episodes out of the same book. It's not a book club. It's not a different book every week. Um, and then we'll generally finish off with a record of the week. And it's very much not a case of a new release or anything. It'll be a record that I've listened to during the preceding week, once, twice, maybe more. So that's sort of the outline. That's where I'm going with this. And we'll see how we go. So the first one, um, the through my eyes for this week, I saw, and I'll put links and everything to all the stuff I mentioned in the show notes, but I saw that there was, um, people had flocked to the chord change on a piece of music. So John Cage, he of four minutes, 33 seconds, I think, fame, um, has written a piece which I think will take 638 years, something like that, to perform, um, pipe organ um, and I imagine it's automated to a large extent because there was a chord change and people came from all over to witness the chord change because it's the first chord change in this piece of music for seven years so um, I can't recall how long this has been going on but it just really amused me that the 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 fact that in writing the piece of music and anyone and if they perform a whole piece of music, it'll be generations of people who choose to do this to completely disregard any sort of timeline or any kind of convention and say, well, okay, there's this, this chord has played for seven years and now there's a chord change and got 600 odd years to go on this piece of music. Um, there's something very interesting for me about that. So I thought I'd share, um, which is, um, I think it's pretty cool. Which brings me on to uh, another thing that is sort of timeline related, which is our pebble in the pond for this week, which um, you may or may not know. There's a guy who um, does lots of business coaching. He does an awful lot more than that, really. Dan Sullivan, um, he started an own strategic coach. But he works on the basis, he works, he does his planning in a hundred quarters. So four quarters a year, so it's really 25 years blocks. So he's he's always working towards a 25-year goal. 
So, and he also plans his life to living for 125 years. So he makes decisions today based on the assumption that he's going to be around until he's 125. Excuse me. I think Dan's in his 60s or 70s, maybe late 70s. Um, So he reckons he's got another 45 years to go, and that's how he makes his decisions. So my question to you is, how would you plan or behave differently knowing you have 25 years left to live? There's always this thought experiment around... What would you do if you if you knew you only had a day to live? And then everyone goes off about all the amazing things they would do, which they never do. Um, but actually, if, if you think about it, if, if you've got 25 years left to live, what would you do? What would you plan for? Um, and would you take more risks? Would you prepare better for certain things? Um would you keep doing what you're doing now more? And, and, and it's a very different perspective to the usual. Well, if you've got a day to live or you found out you've got a terminal disease and you've got six months to live, what would you do? But actually, if you think, OK, I've got I've got 25 years left. Would you actually plan those 25 years? Um, I think I might. I haven't. But it's just an idea that I'm pl- I'm toying with. Um to 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 get more detail into longer term planning rather than thinking of long term planning as a bit hit and miss and and just go after things a bit more clearly um which and this was not planned when i put the the notes down for this episode which does bring me on to the quote which it's been in my head all week um and i actually want to get a wall sticker for the office and put it up, and it's um, it's attributed to Zig Ziglar, who said that if you help enough people to get what they want, you will get what you want. And what is sort of tied into that for me is, um, and I don't know who said this, but it's you can have anything you want in life as long as you're willing to pay the price. And that's actually the the phrasing of that that I want to stick on the wall because I've got two young children, two daughters, and I think it's very valuable for them to understand both sides of that thought. It's on the one hand, you've got to sacrifice to get things, but also on the other hand, being aware of the fact that anything you want or anything you have um, in your life does have a price. Um, You may not always be aware of it, but you are paying a price for it. So um, I'm quite aware of it. So like I say, I've got two daughters. Um, Amelie, she's 10, absolutely loves Formula One, um, loves most sport, really. Um, Olivia, she's nearly eight, couldn't care less about Formula One except the champagne spraying at the end of the race. And... The price I pay for sitting down for two hours on a Sunday watching a Formula One race with Amelie is spending two hours on a Sunday not doing anything with Olivia and her. Like she said the other day when she found out there's a race again this weekend, she's like, oh, so I'll just play by myself for a couple of hours again. Um, and, and, and it's that trade-off. There's clearly a price being paid. I'm paying a price 
um, for her feeling that way. But I'm I'm gaining the time spending with Amelie, and and you can't you've got to balance these things out. But we're not always aware of the price we're paying, but we want to make sure. But there's also the positive that, well, whatever you want, you can have as long as you're willing to pay that price. Um, and a lot of the time, no more, no less. Okay. So um, that's really the quote that's been swirling around my head this week. So moving on to what I'm reading. Um, at the moment, I'm reading this book, The Rules of Contagion by Adam Kacharsky, I think is how you pronounce his name, Why Things Spread and Why They Stop. Um, and actually, it's quite nice. Not a lot of the book deals with disease. Um, um, the book was published before the COVID-19 pandemic started and therefore doesn't deal with it at all because it would have been written some time before that. Um, I dare say a version two of the book might have more of the present day in it. But it's actually really interesting, the things that are contagious. It talks a lot about how things spread on the internet, how ideas spread, technology. Um, but there's also things that we don't think are contagious. Things like yawning. Um, there's lots of studies about obesity as well, um, which comes back to um, it was... Oh, who said it? I now can't recall. It just came to me and then it left... Jim Rohn, who said, you are, you become the average of the five speed, five people you spend most of your time with. Um, it was interesting for me, yawning, you are 40% more likely to yawn after a family member, a close relative, yawns, um, and 10% uh, with an acquaintance. Um, and it's interesting that even something like yawning is affected by your closeness in relationship and I suppose empathy with the person who yawns first and how that sits. It also talks about a really interesting thing in how how, how riots start um, and he uses the funny phrase that a one-man riot is just a tantrum uh, which I think is great but it basically he talks about Everyone has a threshold for when they are willing to engage in a riot. Um, and one person will start rioting because they're motivated to do so. They don't need anyone else. And there's another person in the crowd that as soon as they see someone else rioting, essentially throwing a tantrum, um, they're willing to get involved and riot. And there's a next group of people or a next person who if they see at least two people in the riot, they'll join in with the riot. And each of us, and I, and I suppose it's not, it's obviously not just with riots, but it's just quite an interesting thought of, well, how many people would I have to see rioting before I feel, well, actually, I'm going to get involved in this. Um, each of us has a threshold, but we also have a similar threshold for other things as well. It's obviously not just rioting. And it's, it's quite interesting to think about, well, what's my threshold for different things? Um, at what point will I also just go with the flow, so to speak? And we all have different thresholds for that. Some just do it outright. They don't need any, anyone else in the crowd. Um, and other people need some or more. So that's the rules of contagion. There's an awful lot more in the book. I haven't finished the book yet, so 
Um, we may touch on it in a future episode again. Um, which brings me on to the record of the week. Um, I, uh, what you may not know about me, but I started playing music when I was six years old, classical training, um, and I started playing the drums when I was 11, and I played for um, just about 20 years in lots of different bands and everything. And I listen to music all the time. I mean, when I'm sat at my desk working, I've always got music playing. Um, I, I, I never drive anywhere and I tend not to walk anywhere, especially when I'm on my own without listening to music. Um, I've got a um, better than average hi-fi system downstairs, a collection of um, over 1,300 CDs and a good number of vinyl records. Um, I now mainly, when I buy music now, I mainly buy vinyl. Um, I didn't growing up. Um, I sort of had cassette tapes and then CDs, but I love the experience of of, of vinyl. Um, so I, I was wondering, well, what's going to be the, the record of the week? And I didn't want it to be a new release. I, I actually want to keep this to what I've actually listened to during the week. So I actually ended up landing with... Pink Floyd, the live album Pulse, um, two CDs, and I've listened to that, I think I've now listened to it three times this week, I've just really been enjoying it, and there's, there's this particular point, it's disc one, track six, five minutes, 37 seconds in, which is, it's the second guitar solo in the track, um, and, well, why have one guitar solo when you can have two and you've got David Gilmore in your band um, and you don't have Roger Waters anymore, so you get to, to do that. Um, but there's just there's just a bit on the guitar that is just soaring and, and it, it, gets us, it gets me to smile every single time I hear it. I can still remember the first time I heard this album. I was 16... I'd gone out to a party with my girlfriend at the time and she she really sort of opened my mind when it came to music because at the time I was primarily listening to Skid Row, Poison, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, maybe a bit of Motley Crue. Um, and she then introduced me to Leonard Cohen, Violent Femmes and Pink Floyd. She had the wall, um, double CD. And we had been out to a party. We stayed over at one of the girls in her school stayed over a bunch of us in the house and the next morning waking up someone had put on pulse and so I woke up hearing that and it just completely blew me away I just I, I didn't even with classical training and that sort of the, the, the there's the prog element to that I just never thought that a band could sound that way um, and, and I still get that. I listen to this album and, and just absolutely love it. So um, so um, now for oh, 25 years or so, um, listening to that, and it's still great. So I recommend it to you. Um, get some headphones on or um, crank up the speakers, go and listen to it, um, and hope you enjoy it. And with that, I will sign off. This here concludes the first episode of Let Me Pull On Your Coat. I'll be back with you next Friday 
for more thoughts and ideas. Thanks for listening and keep well, keep safe, take care.